Welcome to the Serpent and the Star podcast. This is a podcast on theistic Satanism and occultism in general. It is brought to you by Lodge Salome, which is an international lodge of the Star of Azazel. We will go into this in more detail later, but briefly, for those who might not know, the Star of Azazel is an occult society and a Satanic Brotherhood from Finland. There are currently 10 or so lodges or groups operating around Finland, and slowly but steadily international activity is also increasing. There is no official instance called the Star of Azazel though, which means that each lodge is free to work in any way they want as long as they follow the basic principles, the most important ones being the ideals of truthfulness, love and non-violence. The practical ethos of the Star of Azazel could be summarized in what we call the threefold key. It includes honesty or understanding, love and will to act in a right way. I am known within the Brotherhood as Frater Beshira, that is, Brother Beshira, and I am a member of Lodges Lucifer and Graal, both based in Helsinki area, Finland. It's a custom that we are known by these Brotherhood names, and we also use one of the titles, Frater, Latin for brother, or Soror, Latin for sister, or Sodalis, which is a neutral term and means a member or a friend. In this podcast I will talk to members of the Lodge Salome and later on possibly also to members from other lodges. On this first episode we discuss some basics related to occultism and Satanism and we try to give you an overall idea of what the Star of Azazel is and what our interpretation of theistic Satanism is. We will start the episode as we often start our meetings with the Agape Prayer, read now by Frater Nefastos. Beloved Master, in you we trust, in your name we have joined together. Ubi enim sunt duo vel tres congregati in nomine meo, ibisum in medio eorum. So be with us, Master Lucifer Christus, and send to our hearts and into our communion the Holy Spirit that fills the life with meaning. In trust let us rise our hearts into brilliance. Frater et soror ad sacra mysteria celebranda. Verily. Verily. So, I am here in Helsinki with Frater Johannes Nefastos, the founder of the Star of Azazel, or the SOA, and uh, we are joined via Skype by a Lodge Salome member from Canada, Soror Polyhymnia. A warm welcome and And thank you for being on board. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you for hosting this podcast. So maybe we could start with the brief introductions, if, if you don't mind. If you could, Johannes, maybe introduce yourself briefly. Okay, uh, uh, I'm Johannes Nefastos, and I founded the Star of Azazel Brotherhood in 2006, uh, after my mm, mem- memberhood in a Theosophical Society, which shares some ideals with us, but it's much more right-hand path oriented. Uh, nowadays I'm working Lodge Lucifer, which was founded in 2011 in Helsinki, 
uh, Graal, which was founded in 2018, and Salome, which was founded in the last uh, winter solstice 2020. Mm, uh, I'm from Eastern Finland, where we talk quite a lot, so it's been very easy for me to be a kind of like a spokesperson for the Star of Asasil in many occasions since uh, not too many Finns are feeling um, very easy to talk in public but I try to be su- such a member to hold our banner also in this way of course it's a <laughs> it's a quite a burden too because uh, I try to present both my own ideas and these uh, lodges and the brotherhoods ideas as well so listeners must be vigilant to know which which are which and at least in Finland actually there has been kind of a rise in interest in satanism in the last years would you agree on that yeah, I, I think so, and uh, I'm very glad to notice that uh, the publicism of Star of Azazel seems to have affected how Satanism is known and viewed in Finland. Uh, I remember how it was like in the 90s or or early 2000 when uh, this like very evil and or materialistic idealism was connected to Satanism, but nowadays people are more aware that there is this occult depth in this uh, philosophy, or can be. So uh, my name is Sor Polyhymnia, and I hail from Canada. Um, I found the SOA in like the most millennial way possible. I found it on Instagram. Uh, which at the time it wasn't on Instagram. So that was a feat within itself. Um, I found it, I was looking for curios actually. Um, I'm from Western Canada. So I found a curio shop um, on the West Coast called, I believe it was called Salamander Salt Curio. And they were selling um, books from the SOA. And I was like, oh, what's this? And then I found the website and then I discovered the philosophy and I just, I fell in love instantly. It was like love at first sight. And um, yeah, I've been a member for the last two and a half years now. Uh, I currently hold membership within Lodge Fanes, within Lodge Salome, and within Lodge Hermes. So, yep. (laughs) Is there uh, anything similar like in uh, interest? Could you say there is like more interest in in uh, these topics in Canada now than some some years ago, for example, I would say that um, theistic Satanism is probably relatively a newer concept from at least in the occult circles that I'm aware of, um, specifically in the city that I'm in. I'm probably the only theistic Satanist I know, and I know quite a few people who you know dabble in the occult currents. Um, so uh, we do have things like the Temple of Satan, and uh, that's or the Satanic Temple, 
Yeah. yeah, the satanic temple is quite big. But I think the idea of Satanism over here tends to be more um, atheistic than theistic. So, and I know even my friends, when I speak about um, any of the principles, I think my friends think I've joined uh, a cult. So that's fine. But <laughs> that's kind of the I think, general idea because people are just so unaccustomed to um, anything theistic that has to do with Satan, right? So... If it's not complete chaos, they can't really wrap their heads around it, it seems. Quite understandable, though. Yeah. Um, I uh, found the, the SOA for the first time. Might have been around the time it was founded, or at least quite soon afterwards. Um, and I have been sort of following the brotherhood from from the site for a long time and and it took like 10 years before i felt that i have more more reasons to apply for for a membership um than than not to and then that was in 2016 at that time there was was this um central how do you say it, it like a government or yeah yeah it, the the, the structure structure was a bit different different then and uh, i've been involved ever since now i am a member in two helsinki based lodges and doing all sorts of brotherhood work all right uh the topic of today is Theistic Satanism and the Star of Azazel. And uh, I said in the introduction that we will be discussing basics of occultism and, and Satanism, which is kind of a simplification already. What do you think of topics such as basics of occultism? What would, what would we say are, are those basics of occultism? Um... Well, I mean, when I think back on my own occult journey and what my goals were at the beginning, um, I think it was to live a more balanced life, like overall, like spiritually and finding ways to integrate um, more spiritual practice within my mundane life. And once you start doing that, you um, you just read, right? Like a lot of people think that occultism is um, this spooky thing, but it's really just reading. It's a lot of reading. So, and you try to read all the right things and try to put everything together into a, a way that makes sense. But um, the SOA is the first place that it's ever really made sense for me, even though it's so broad still, right? Um, I... I think that uh, it also comes to the making a fo focus or a center point to many different things. At, at least for me it has been that uh, there are several tries in academic fields to define what occultism really is, what esotericism really is. But I, I see them, these uh, Febres and Hanegraaffs and, and so on, academics ideas that they are seeing uh, occultism uh, from the outside and the perspective is of course such that you can't really uh, see the depth of it but for me uh, it's mostly about the depth the spirit that connects 
all things in life together. So it's very hard for me to see anything in life that that isn't connected to this esoteric worldview. It must be one whole, the philosophy of oneness. And of course, like you said, uh, people who think about occultism think about magic, ritual magic, making circles and summoning spirits and uh, experiencing some kind of spiritual activity in phenomenal ways. But I think that's very, very small part of it and not even the most necessary part. But that the most necessary part is that uh, it's a philosophy, a living doctrine that is uh, felt both in heart and in head and trying to connect these two extremes uh, in a very living kind of way. And uh, so we come to the idea that there is esoteric possibilities in all kinds of religions, all kinds of worldviews, which is basically the (laughs) Star of Azazel's approach that there is nothing that should be mm, taken out uh, there is always some kind of spark of truth in all kinds of spirituality and uh, all kinds of world um, views yeah recently one uh, member member and uh, Finnish brother mentioned uh, that um, that Antoine Favre has has defined it in a way that it's kind of um, it's kind of the space between arts and sciences and philosophy and religion, something that is not exactly any of these, but uh, connects to all of these. I view it as a kind of an alternative way to look at reality or to try to find some answers as opposed to for example the scientific method just as it is or or some some other means as you said has to do with spirit most of all and just kind of a different approach yeah i think that that aspect has been even more uh, in view of the later academics febre uh, gave uh, several points which has to be present in in a worldview, in a philosophy, to it be esoteric, and these are like pretty spe- specific, including like the idea of correspondences or uh, impersonality of the others and so on. So it, it's quite um, f- f- how do you say it formal. Also, one important thing that comes to mind is that. One often associates occultism with the sort of secretiveness or isn't the etymology of the word also related to this, that something is secret, something is hidden. And I've thought that it's not so much about um, certain information being hidden from a certain group of people, but more than that, it's about that... uh, how to put it shortly, until a certain point of one's own striving and growing, there is just no way to kind of step into the 
actually esoteric understanding. So it's not as much uh, withholding some information in a social way uh, by some authority, but it's the metaphysics of the uh, knowing itself that we must uh, change ourselves in order to reach some new kind of knowledge. Yeah, I guess you could say it's something a bit like a foreign language that is is foreign until you learn learn to speak it or some some similar analogy <laughs> that it's it's hidden hidden because you have not grown yourself yet. Do you see any any difference between things like spirituality and and religion? Do you find that kind of question interesting? Did you have something in mind, please? <laughs> um, I just had, yeah, I mean, I, for a long time, I associated the idea of religious practice or religion um, with exclusive, like, right-hand path, like Christianity. And for me, that was a huge turnoff of anything uh, religious at all. Um, but the more that I grow, like speaking of occultism and how, you know, you're kind of given these keys over time to unlock these things in yourself, I've grown to see the value. Like I would consider what I do now a uh, religious practice. You know, I um, do my prayers and I have various rituals. So I would I would consider that um, oh, and I honor a deity. Right. So I would consider that a religious practice versus before I would say, oh, no, like I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Um, but I've come to see spirituality as kind of more of a blanket statement for, um, I don't want to say superficiality. Um, there's de definitely different depths to spiritualism, but I don't find it quite as poignant as um, religion these days. Um, and finding the possibility of being able to worship an entity like Satan and see that as a religious practice. For me, that was my own growth pattern was um, seeing that. So I'm definitely less, I wouldn't say like, oh, I'm spiritual anymore. I definitely say like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty religious. Um, and I think, I'm not sure what the big differences are. I would say, like I said, spiritualism kind of more of a blanket statement and religion more specific. But I could also be way wrong. So who knows? Of course, these also come back to associations, and in my experience, it's very meaningful whether one's, uh, for example, uh, raising childhood uh, or early experiences have been positive or negative, or both, with uh, religious things. For example, uh, I grew in a Christian family, but the Christianity was not in any way oppressive it was like pretty free and i think that has been a great point making me like pro religious i i think that there's nothing wrong nothing oppressive in religion per se mm. but it's um, people who misunderstand and take take religion as means to oppress other people whether knowingly or unknowingly but like polyhymnia uh said or like I heard it that the spirituality is also so wide term that 
often it seems to lack the um, more structural, more organized aspects of um, religion. So I think I nowadays associate these words with that religion is spirituality which has some kind of like formed applications, some formulas to use. Of course, different religions have different formulae, but uh, and spirituality is like a prima materia, the basic substance for religions. And in order to actually make one's personal path, it's very useful to create from that substance uh, some kind of religious application. But of course, this is just one more <laughs> way to say it, feel it. There are most probably as many associations as there are people. Yeah, I can actually relate to what you said, Polyhymnia, about this. I, I, I have uh, also been someone who says that I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. I would say nowadays that it's the difference is, is more than anything to me, uh, like a semantic matter. And I, I feel very strongly that I am a religious personality as opposed to, for example, a more materialistic mind and, and I see see occultism and religion as very much the same thing. Of course, it hasn't been very long since uh, religion ha- has been used in a very mm, like power struggling manner, like for example, to uh, register your faith in society needed a very strong presence of some mm, religious group which had these particular sacred books and these particular uh, doctrines. But nowadays it seems that these are coming a bit easier. It's There, there are so many of these more esoterics or uh, spiritual new age parties that uh, the power struggling hold of the old book religions is getting uh, it, it has to give power to the to these smaller groups as well all right then a simple question and maybe not not such a simple answer what is satanism then and what is theistic satanism in particular For me, Satanism is such an interesting concept, um, and it's an interesting time to be alive right now where Satanism is concerned, because it's definitely not, uh, like, no longer the taboo subject that it once was. Um, you know, even as early, well, as early, not even that long ago, at 30 years ago in the 90s, there was the satanic panic that swept through the mass media, and everybody thought everybody was sacrificing babies and and goats and things like that and um that was essentially what we had in our social consciousness of satanism and even when i joined the soa i still had a hard time getting my head around a concept of a, a holistic satanism i always thought that satanism was more of um like a quite self-serving uh 
sort of spiritual practice. Um, but now I find, you know, it's not something, well, it ranges even, it does range in to atheistic styles, nihilistic styles, to theistic styles, which is, you know, uh, we are theistic Satanists. And I'd say like what differentiates that is the belief in um, an actual deity and a reverence towards Satan as a, a being. Um, so it's not this idea, and it's so interesting that within this, uh, within Satanism, you have people that don't believe in anything at all, people that only believe in in chaos and darkness, and then people that that worship Satan. So um, yeah, he's no longer like Satan is no longer necessarily just the symbol for rebellion or living any kind of like a super hedonistic kind of life. Uh, it's yeah. Yep. <laughs> By the way, uh, when was the satanic panic in your home country? Was it in the... It happened in the early 90s here. Okay. Uh, so it was only a few years until it came came here, because I've heard that in the 80s there was a satanic panic in the, panic in the United States. But here, here in Finland we received most of it in like some 90 five to 98 or was it something like that yeah there might have been various satanic panics yeah of course and most likely the first ones went just over my head because i was too young back then but yeah it, it was a very good point that we have so many satanisms and it's a bit like i said about magic believing in magic in Phosphorus, that uh, people from the ends of the intellectual spectrum seem to hold dear this idea of magic. For either you don't see any kind of problem believing in anything, or then you have gone so deep in your intellectual studies that you start to question the authority of the academic and uh, like traditional philosophic thought uh, and it's a bit similar in satanism i think that uh, you can support these mm, darker shades of being either if you are so naive that you don't see any kind of problem doing whatever you want or then you are you have gone so deep in this uh, ethical or philosophical studies that you have to take that darkness in some way as a part of your worldview so there's very wide wide spectrum for what satanism and magic are what kind of people support them uh, to answer your original question from my Uh, on my own part, I'd say that Satan uh, as an adversary was the meaning of this Hebrew word or name uh, is to fi find this otherness, this great otherness in both world around me and within me to see the complement of the uh, standard 
normal way of things and to understand this oneness of um, myself and this like cosmic other because Satan the adversary always meets us in everything whatever I believe whatever I am there is always this something that's not that that's unlike me that's giving its challenge to what I am uh, and therefore when facing that challenge we can grow for example if I'm like a very loving person then for myself Satan can uh, represent these challenges about well what do you think about people who do not care about love but keep hurting others or uh, and or also like uh, what do you think is it possible for you to actually hurt people you think you love and try to help because there are always these kind of challenges whatever we are and that's why I personally think that Satanism is the one path, one path that leads to the very end of the occult striving. It's the, uh, in my opinion, one of those paths that can lead straight to occult initiation. Yeah, you said something about um, this cosmic other and from that uh, that came to mind what is quite often uh, said in, in SOA context or books or interviews that uh, at least in the West the major religions have tended to kind of cast away these just certain aspects of, of life and reality and uh, and as Satanists, we try to see the holiness also in that which is cast away, which is feared, not by kind of going at it f full on <laughs> without thinking about it, but, but trying to find some kinds of um, uplifting ways to embrace these things, to embrace the shadow in ourselves, in others, in the world, in the reality, in God. And in that, in that sense, I would say that Satanism is a religion that that aims to aims to uh, get a holistic, as possible kind of view of these these matters. And that's why I have seen personally that that Satanism is is the right way for me to kind of do this in the best possible way. Also, I see here the very aspect of Satanism that we present in the star of Azazel because uh, if we would be like a star of Satan it would give an, an emphasis of being the adversary ourselves but uh, Azazel is the archetype uh, that presents that kind of a outcast like we can remember that in Leviticus Bible the goat was sent to Azazel in the desert and from that comes the scapegoat symbol that we still use in like common speech that this particular aspect of satan as azazel is like less uh, evil in our allusions perhaps 
Yeah, and actually in SOE context, Satan is quite often uh, compared to the Indian Shiva, where we can see how our Indian religions, like uh, in general, how, how certain aspects of life are taken into consideration in a way that we we haven't traditionally done in, say, Christianity, and and but 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 even even from like Christian or at least uh, Christian Christianity inspired um, culture, we can find examples that go way back where Satan is not only the evil dark character, but but we can see that Satan has been presented in in many ways in in the history, and that's also one of the reasons why uh, why I feel that instances such as the SOA are important. Strong dualism is very European or Western idea. Of course there is there are many kinds of dualisms in Eastern religions as well, but in these you also find these um, attitudes where these yin and yang and shiva and jakti are also connected as a one whole. So I think they are healthier basis for understanding Satanism uh, than Christianity or Jewish religion. I know that I was quite surprised and taken aback by how complex satanic philosophy was when I initially found the SOA because um, it was more complex than anything I had understood in the realm of Satanism. So I think that um, the ethical basis was the thing that um, really brought me in to the idea of utilizing Satan as, like you were saying, uh, like trials and how everybody has them. Like in a lot of those, um, the right-hand path traditions, there's a big emphasis on an outside redeeming factor. And what I really liked about Satanism and the Satanic philosophy was, you know, that there are like nobody can save you but yourself, and so it's it's that work that you have to put in to constantly uh, complete the great work. And for me, that was a very appealing philosophy, um, and with more depth than any other outside savior could give me. So yeah. Here I could mention briefly that uh, quite a lot has been written about this subject also. And uh, if our listeners are interested, you can read articles such as Why Satan or Isn't Satan Evil on the SOA website, which is azazel.fi, as well as newer articles such as What is Theistic Satanism on the Lodge Salome website, which is Lodge Salome, that is S-A-L-O-M-E dot com. In some, some uh, SOA writings, you come across this triad of Satan, Lucifer, and Azazel. Could you say something about that that triad? Uh, I think that Satan, like um, when we speak about God, is very wide name or term which can hold very different meanings. And even if we use these names as synonyms for Satan, in a way, they give it an aspectual meaning. 
So personally, I don't believe that there are different entities that here's Satan and then there's this other guy, Lucifer and the third man, Azazel. But these form like more spiritual connections that also hold similar center. Uh, I'd say that um, the answer is in how the etymology of these names go. For example, Satan meaning adversary, Lucifer meaning light bearer, and uh, Azazel, uh, it's enough that we know of that meaning of Azazel in Bible, as I mentioned. So there is this idea of something going to the desert of the other, being it a scapegoat or the prophet. Like we know that biblical prophets also went to desert to find God. This is what the archetype of Azazel, uh, the third person of Satan, so to say, is about. And uh, personally for me the most important by heart uh, is the archetype of Lucifer because Lucifer is the uh, so to say white aspect master the uh, bright Satan the one who helps uh, gives wisdom gives energy power and also connects so strongly to Christ, like we uh, can read from the Apocalypse of St. John, uh, Lucifer is actually the name of Christ in Apocalypse. Uh, it doesn't mean Satan there, but these are connected, these masters of the left-hand path and right-hand path, Satan and Christ. These are, of course, very like deep, difficult things, but I think that deep and difficult things have to be wrestled with if one wishes to be occultist or satanist. We, we can't take easy answers and think that everything, <laughs> everything will be all right. It, it, de it demands very, very much. So we could say they are kind of the basic aspects of Satan in a way and we will go go into these color aspects that you mentioned briefly on future episodes I'm sure but here you already see that the triad in general is a recurring theme which I guess neither of you think is a is an accident so uh, any ideas on that? What is this triad that can appear in different forms? It can be Satan, Lucifer and Azazel. It can be Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and similar similar divisions are everywhere. I'm probably not the authority on this answer at all, um, but you know, I know that the divine triads or the idea of divine triads goes back to um, like ancient times, right? We see them in in Greek mythos and uh, traditions and Mesopotamian and um, Egypt, Taoist, Buddhist philosophies, uh, and of course, like you had said, the the Christian Trinity as well, right? Um, even in symbolism, like the triquatra, 
of like Celtic tradition. Um, in Norse, we also see divine triads. Um, so there, it's a persistent theme, and that's really all I know about the subject is that they're there. Yeah, that that's very true. Uh, I think that the third part uh, of the triad is uh, like two steps um, how do you say it it's already like uh, going from the God as fa- father to God also as mother and to the third step as God being also present in human being the child of God so we have this trinity that gives uh, the both poles of spirituality the spiritual pole and the pole that's uh, this jactic essence substance and then the meaning that unites these two poles and it's pretty uh, it's hard to see why it was seemed necessary to make all these persons in Christianity as masculine because it breaks the whole thing. Uh, We should understand that these are like poles which have different, so to say, archetypal genders or uh, like reversed magnetic meanings. Uh, Personally, I also like to think this triad in a more mm, mm, like um, spherical shape which is uh, not as hard not as defined but when we have this symbol of sun that's the uh, round sphere and its center point there is this first duality the first two poles so to say and then the third is the line going from the center to circumference Uh, and this is the like the unity of these two basic poles Uh, in sanskrit teachings we find this line uh, as jiva the Mm, innermost energetical soul that's also the tantric the occultist the uh, practitioner of esoteric doctrines because jiva in sanskrit also means this line that goes from the center to circumference so the geometry of these archetypical uh, trinities can be represented in different ways but the basic idea is that in order for God mm, spirit to manifest we need also something else we need the substantial side we need the side of otherness and thirdly we need this human mind to grasp it to make it real and I think this is the most important idea behind the religious spiritual symbol of trinities.
for us practicing occultists? Um, so we talked about Satanism. You often hear also of Luciferianism. What would you say Luciferianism is? Is it defined differently in your home country, polyhymnia? Or is it like just an, a different way to say Satanism? From what I understand, it's just Satanism over here. Because um, Satan and Lucifer, uh, I don't believe, at least I haven't, I do believe that there are Satanists, but I don't think that um, it has evolved to that extent here, where Lucifer and Satan are separate beings. But I don't want to speak for every North American Satanist, but at least in my sphere, yeah, Lucifer and Satan is pretty much just the same. Yeah. I don't remember meeting in Finland any people who'd uh, define themselves as Luciferians and not Satanists. It seems to be pretty much the same for different people. But uh, once again, I'd like to make that as an emphasis of putting one's... um, the foremost idea about this bright uh, form of Satan, not the black form that gives challenges and which forces us to think about our personal relation to what violence is and how to think about the evil in the world, but instead to think about this like artistic inspiration and these kinds of things that are often connected with the like Promethean forces of Lucifer and fire-giving, even though sometimes or often damned archetypes, divinities. Yeah, speaking of that, um, at least in in Finland, where the SOA is starting to be relatively known, uh, sometimes you hear criticism from people who identify themselves as Satanists that the SOA Satanism is quote-unquote not evil enough or that that uh, it's not real Satanism because you you just preach love and and unity and not not violence and and ruling others with your will or whatnot what you what would you say about that um it's actually funny i don't know if you want to put this in the recording but i had found the soa there's one thread on reddit which uh like literally just one thread and it's pretty recent but it's about the soa and somebody on there was talking about how um you know we're jesus lovers and it, it made me chuckle because it was it just seemed like such an infantile idea of um like what Satanism should be. Like they were just like, oh, they're just a bunch of Jesus lovers um, that, you know, worship theosophy and use a bunch of an appropriate Indian terminology. It was just like a very um, infantile kind of idea of what that is, you know, without even broaching the idea that these Sanskrit terms have been used 
many other places like it's not just like the soa has taken all these sanskrit terms and is appropriating them it it <laughs> there's like a long lineage attached right so it's just like a very infantile thing so it's funny that you say that people see that that we're not evil enough but um i mean i think that true power comes from having the capacity to to be evil in that way but not true power comes from harnessing that ethical basis and and upwardly ascending instead of you know going down the path of descent like that's true power to me personally so i i totally agree i i think that gandhi gave a very good idea when he said that uh like pacifism is the uh, virtue for the strong because you have to be able to strike back and then not to do that uh, and we are living an age where people are trying to find their own temperamental ways to uh, see things and present things and like uh, using these uh, e- easy tags to uh, tag themselves as satanists or occultists or whatever and it's about uh, like some kind of role building instead of actual spirituality Uh, i don't think that spirituality can ever be about giving some kind of impression it's not about giving impression it's just like perhaps juggling with these different kind of impressions and making also them part of your practical work but the actual inside of esotericism or satanism is to uh, take everything you know and can reach and process it within so it really isn't a question whether we seem to be some kind of uh, like respectable evil persons or not but um, that's for completely other kind of people to think about we we shouldn't even take that into consideration when we think about who we are or what satan is yeah also the criticism about jesus as you mentioned is something that quite often comes up and uh, it's funny how in that that uh, precisely you see see an aspect of satan that you wouldn't maybe think of uh, at first but but if you criticize us for example that that uh, we are too too much jesus lovers and not real satanists then it might be that that jesus is actually what What kind of how how Satan so shows himself to you, because you are so <laughs> disgusted by by Jesus and it it it's an uh, a form of kind of not embracing the shadow, which then can be Jesus for someone. I I've even said that like Satan is kind of like a scarecrow for people who are interested into occultism and spirituality, but then find Star of Azazel and meet this great challenge of the archetype of satan there they can like turn back and be too scared to continue and it's like a good thing to separate people who are mm, in earnest trying to find truth in everything or just surfing on this 
good new age vibes uh, and in a completely same way in our Kral Lodge which is a little bit deeper um, way of going through these Star of Azazel philosophies there is this another scarecrow of Jesus uh, like we know Graal symbolism is very connected to the Christian uh, Rosicrucian symbols of love and blood of Jesus and so on so uh, Jesus becomes Satan like you suggested Besira it's always the one that we would like to like completely throw away and also um, it has often been said in the Star of Azazel uh, writings and uh, uh, and in several occasions that uh, Jesus was a Satanist in his time because he chose the inner spiritualistic approach instead of the demands of his church, uh, Jewish synagogue and Jewish theology and it led to the uh, destiny that we now know to death. Yeah, I know for me personally, um, accepting the idea of Jesus into like my occult lexicon for spirituality was very difficult. Um, just because I, you know, I'm a preacher's daughter, so automatically I'm a bad seed, right? That's how that works. But um, so I had just denounced Jesus or the idea of Christ or any kind of Christianity, like truly by the time I was about 10 years old, um, I just found that Christianity didn't make sense to me. Um, and that misunderstanding coupled with, you know, certain of life's tragedies really just culminated into this hatred for Christ or Christianity or anything within that sphere. So one of my biggest challenges upon joining the SOA was actually accepting this idea of Christ as on, on this path of unity. Um, so I really felt like I had evolved quite a bit when I was able to, when that clicked for me. And I still sometimes, even at like the mention of Christ, it's just like a muscle memory from the past two decades, right? I still have like a bit of anger that rises sometimes. Um, and I really work hard on that. But I, I just see that, like, as you said, is almost like that manifestation of Satan and another trial that I have to focus on and, and work through. But it's, yeah, it's hard being a Christ hater and then you know, inviting him back in in a certain way, so. Yeah. These are some of the reasons why uh, we often speak of Satan and Lucifer, but also often um, the term uh, we use is Lucifer Christos or Lucifer Christ, meaning that Actually, these two characters are also quite deeply connected. Do you have ideas on, on that you could share? Yeah, that was one of the first um, practices I formed for myself when I was struggling, the struggle of like my emotions that were satanic and my emotions that were like... Uh, some kind of esoterically Christian, so I had to balance these these left-hand path, these right-hand path ideas in a way that I would never again 
go against myself that for first time this in the morning and then I'm that in the afternoon which is very very uh, easy way to go astray in occultism we we certainly everyone know people who are their whole life going through these emotions and never actually accepting their own personality as a whole the world as a whole mm. but uh, even though it might sound a bit cumbersome this lucifer christos at least for some people i think it's a good way to uh, practice to think what is the once again the third point between these poles what is our own spirit of meaning that holds true in both lucifer and christ because that's the point of connection i believe to the inner master to the divine spark within like we know from the uh, name lucifer light bringer light bearer and christ which means the anointed one there is this anointed one within every human being's heart which carries that fire or spark and that's the idea of the inner master inner genius the teacher which we can everyone listen to in our meditation or prayer or even everyday life perhaps okay this was uh, mentioned a few times already but maybe we should say something about the division of the left-hand path and the right-hand path how would you define those those words there's a lot of defining in this first episode i i see but that's that's maybe understandable mm. i'm still learning i'm so uneducated in like the left-hand path so i'm still um just because my basis in occultism is very right-hand path and i think that that might even ironically be the preacher's kid in me you know even though i would reject any kind of christianity i still would naturally gravitate towards more of the right-hand path structures um you know i definitely read a lot in the realm of hermeticism um the golden dawn was where i had the most uh study before i joined the soa so i'm still learning more about the left-hand path and how to incorporate that i think it's good to realize that there are different ways to define these concepts for helena blavatsky the founder of theosophical society uh, the right hand path equaled good and left hand path equaled evil uh, which is quite strange because she was actually very well versed with the hindu idea of these terms where it's not that simple but um I have tried to modificate that um, interpretation a little in our Star of Azazel working and instead uh, give the emphasis on the thought that the left-hand path is more individual and the right-hand path is more like social or keeping on these perhaps not conveniences but to um, keeping on mind other people and what the structural benefit would would be uh, 
on the larger scale. Uh, but yeah, there, there are possibilities to think also it as a left-hand path is more body-oriented, the substance-oriented, and the right-hand path would be like more spiritual. This is uh, a bit like these terms have been used in the uh, some some Hindu circles. Um, but once again, I'd like to say that the most important thing is to continue thinking about these questions when joining these paths. And keep in mind that never is it so simple that something is wholly good and something is wholly evil. And neither does it is it true that everything is relative and everything can be everything, uh, but it demands uh, thinking and pondering. And in that thinking of things, we uh, work through our inner energies, our psychological associations, and understand better what these terms hold. But yeah, the good point would be to start that the right-hand path is more like doing things for others and left-hand path is uh, finding one's unique individual self. This pretty much brings us to what I I was meaning to say, say next, which is one of the underlying uh, goals of of the SOA in in the field of occultism is, is precisely to unite the hands. Um, the same thing you can of course see in the Lucifer Christ um, character already or, or unification of, of characters that the point is kind of to take what is good in, in both all, all these these ways and and make it into a working vivid whole Yes, if you if you don't do that, uh, you will have problems in both paths. Uh, if you choose only the easy left-hand path and try to get get all the power, uh, you will end up in a very like deserted place. You will end up in places where you can no longer be part of any kind of beneficial energetical structure because you are only thinking about yourself. And if you choose only the right-hand path working of like putting yourself wholly into some kind of uh, esoteric or um, semi-esoteric structure, you will end up being just a brick in some old goods pyramid. So I, I think it's very important to try to both uh, understand other people around you as esotericists and work to mutual goals of benefiting the others and also finding your own voice how to do that. Then instead of uh, how this left and right hand path are sometimes defined as like in a black and white way evil and good uh, not exactly the same thing but something like more leaning to that is what uh, I don't know if, if I uh, <laughs> explain this or, 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 or uh, introduce this now properly, but uh, we 
talk about upward path versus a downward path when we speak of our interpretation of Satanism and how one can and can uh, practice Satanism in a way that either is actually doing good for the whole or or uh, if it's something that is just destructive or or or, or negative in, in, in other ways. Yeah, this is terminology that I consciously made up in order to widen uh, the perspective of the old Blavatskian philosophy. Because, like I said, it's problematic to think that left-hand path is always downward and evil. So I try to give a new axis for these uh, spiritual and not-so-spiritual ideas in order to see where the ethical point is, where the meaningful point is. So in the spirit of uniting the hands, uh, could you say that there is something good or useful in the downward path then? That's a very deep and interesting question. Uh, what do you, Polyhymnia, think? Would there be some good if someone chooses uh, falseness, violence, hurting others? Well, I think if we're in that black and white idea of left-hand path being um, like evil and right-hand path being good, I think that that's very different from the idea of like upward path and downward path. So I think that it's important to differentiate that and um, understand that within the upward path, that doesn't necessarily mean all good all of the time. Um, but that doesn't also mean like inviting things like violence. I don't think that that's ever that that's ever beneficial personally i think that um that kind of downward descent is something that i know i personally uh don't think that's the ideal scenario i think that the upwards path is and that the upwards path isn't again isn't free from its challenges um but with all of that that shadow that comes in um again seeing it as a trial and overcoming it and then evolving on our path to ascent so it's not that the upward path is free from that stuff. It's just that we meet it head on, we face it, and then we we choose to either ascend or descend. Um, at least that's my understanding of it. And I know that I personally struggle a lot with the idea of inviting any kind of, um, I don't want to say like negativity, but facing those things. We have an article that's a uh, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And for me, that's kind of the best analogy with um, inviting those different hands is learning when to employ the serpent and when to employ the dove. And um, yeah, my thought process just kind of went off the rails there. Yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely ag agree with you. It, it's a very good way to see it, uh, that the dark, sinister force will, no matter what, uh, belong to the challenges of the process. I, I think that's the problem with people who think that we are some kind of uh, Jesus lovers and uh, not believable Satanists uh, because they can't grasp the idea that those very black, those very hard nihilistic uh, things will remain in your process like uh, in a way that you have to struggle with them. 
if you are a tr- true um, fanatical right-hand path worker in a way that simply cuts away all, all other, mm, for example, left-hand path sat- satanistic thoughts, uh, it's true that you choose your reality. But uh, if you are in Star of Azazel and trying to work this upward ascending path, Uh, you can't cut those evil things off, but you have to manage. Uh, for example, I I am personally very like um, gloomy <laughs> personality in a way that I struggle daily with these very black thoughts and uh, dark feelings and even urges for violence inside my head. But I know that I can't act them out. I have to work them into something positive, something that gives instead of takes to uh, takes from other people. It, it's uh, like walking hand in hand with Satan uh, upwards to this like mo- mountain temple as we see it in Graal Lodge. And uh, so the it becomes the point of meaning, finding the meaning instead of uh, finding the faith system in a formal way. Could you say, for example, that that what what is good in or useful in, in the downward path is that we can kind of try and see what draws us to those thoughts and 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 things and uh, then if if it manifests as us doing violent things or or just coming to the conclusion that this deceiving people is actually quite fine then then we have failed or or we haven't really understood what what it yes uh, i think that pekka ervast the famous finnish occultist or at least famous in finland uh, gave a very good idea about what Satan is when he in different places said that uh, Satan seems to us a very dark personality who seems to allure us to evil but uh, Ervast Ervas told that if we uh, refuse to obey those black suggestions It's Satan who removes his mask and is very glad to see that he failed. And uh, in that way I see that there can be said to have meaning in the downward path for working uh, in that um, when we like see it in full, but then choose not to take that path. Uh, I understand very well that there are many people who Uh, confused these like very dark substances, uh, psychological, energetical things that belong to the downward path with the actual good that it hides. Because like our Sodalis Obnoxion once said, the power is where something is um, like hidden or forbidden or restricted. It's somehow like a lock that hides behind it those precious spiritual things we uh, can't find or very very rarely 
can find truly uh, deep things unless they are somehow covered by this challenge. It's a, it's, it's a very interesting psychological fact, but it seems to be true. Of course, there are some people who perhaps have um, attained so high a state that they already know these answers, they already have these keys to those locks, and they don't even represent themselves to those people. But usually we, as human beings, can only find these precious occult jewels after we uh, overcome their demonic guardians. And in that way, the downward path pressure is good. It's like a pressure that makes the diamond within Earth. Okay, one more uh, big question regarding definitions. Uh, what would you say is magic? I feel that this question is, uh, the answer for me is constantly evolving as I evolve on my path. Um, I used to think that magic was um, essentially changing our outside um, like reality with very complex kind of psychological workings inside and intent and that these things would manifest in an, in an outer reality. Um, but now I'm, I'm honestly not so sure. I used to um, practice um, some old world like witchcraft and intent magic and things like that. So that seeing those kinds of things manifest for me was a very black and white process and definition of magic. Like I intend this thing to happen, therefore it manifests. But now I don't see it that way. Um, I see that it's more of a, a psychological process. I still do see the subtleties in the way that things manifest in my reality that I would call magic, but it's almost as though there's another layer there now, uh, a more complex layer that things need to work through. It's not as black and white. So still that similar idea, but with a lot more layers that I can't necessarily talk about. It's like something that works in the astral and I can't really communicate how I perceive it anymore. It's just something that I that I feel that's there, that's working um, within this this path towards the great work and it all culminates on this path towards it in ways that I have yet to understand. So. That's way better answer that I, I would have given because whenever this question is presented to me, I, I'm always very dull and say that magic is really everything there is and saying that is like it's saying nothing at all because it doesn't help uh, usually people to understand it any way better, but still it's very hard for me to personally uh, answer in an, any other way because it has to do with my own experience about the world as a like illusion. So I think that we project our inner being into the world. So everything I experience everything we people experience is like magical uh, phenomena. Uh, in this 
I see it in the same way as the uh, Hindus see this Maya or the cosmic illusion that is also like magical trick. It's uh, one way of translating the Maya. It's not only only illusion in a like bad or shallow way, but only the depth, or uh, also the depth of something being magical. Uh, it can be transmuted. It can be affected all the time. And because I have very hard time, like believing that I am now uh, as a physical body sitting on this physical chair. Uh, it's much more intuitive for me to think that I'm a spirit, I'm a being who just dreams of this body, who dreams of this chair. So for me, it it feels that everything is magic and it's very hard to think something which wouldn't be magic. But of, of course, uh, it's useful at some points uh, divide different kinds of magic not only like black magic and white magic meaning different things but but also like ritual magic and goetic theurgistic magic uh, because just lumping everything into this great category of magic of one's mind is is not really helping much so i side with polyhumnia's idea <laughs> okay um so what about the star of azazel society um we often call it a society as asset and also the brotherhood is a word often used. How would you, how would you describe it? Which word to use when and any ideas? It hasn't been long since uh, we talked about this brotherhood term with polyhymnia, because it sounds so like masculine thing, which is problematic in uh, today's culture. Mm, so it would be very interesting to to hear about different associations that it brings but uh, to answer your <laughs> answer your question uh, i'd say that the term brotherhood is aimed to uh, depict this spiritual working where different kind of people come to make the same kind of um, inner offering or also outward offering as uh, doing the common work and society is a more loose uh, way of bringing people together. We um, believe in the same kind of things. People can disagree on some points and agree on some other. And it's like a looser organization. Wherefore, the brotherhood term has been used to uh, make, make the uh, understanding that this is uh, like practical esoteric working of souls together so to say but to come come back to the uh, genre thing uh, how, how do you polyhymnia feel to be a, a sister in the brotherhood <laughs> is it does it sound as bad 
For me, no. Um, I've never had a problem with it. I mean, my first question when I was reading, because I spent some time reading the forums before I applied um, to register or before I registered, and my first email sent was, um, do you let women into the Brotherhood? Because I would really like to be a part of this. So it really... Other than that, like I, I had a little apprehension just because I thought maybe it wasn't open to women. Um, but once you know I got the email back that was like, absolutely, like please like join us. It, it was it was nothing. But I've never I've always seen these uh, polarities within myself. So it, you know even though I'm a woman, I still acknowledge that there's a masculine part to myself and a feminine part to myself and parts that are kind of in between there. And so brotherhood to me is just a word. It wasn't um, an exclusive thing at all. So once they said, yep, I was like, okay, I'm in, I guess I'm in a brotherhood. So, but I can see why some people, I guess, would, would take offense to it. Uh, nowadays, there's so much emphasis on um, like gender identities and, you know, political correctness in that way. But for me, I, I see brotherhood as more of in, in like the traditional sense of just a, a commune of people who, you know, work together for things. So for me, it's not personally an offensive term. That, that's very nice to nice to hear, because uh, if we choose some other word that's a bit similar, like order or, or something like that, it also gives very strange associations with because that word has different kind of meanings that are not very very good either uh, for me it has been uh, not very easy to see these uh, like problematics uh, because myself uh, the feeling of the inside sexes genders have always been that I, I have felt being more like a woman than a than man inside i i thought that it's like very uh, actually common thing for esotericists because one is in so uh, deep communion with one's inner anima or animus like jung put it so i i think it's very superficial to think that anyone thinks that these are restrictive things but of, of course like you said Uh, now I understand better that culture is nowadays um, trying to see this uh, wider and more um, also deeper meanings within this so uh, I, I think it will surface every now and then whether the term brotherhood is good or not but but I, I hope that our members and th- people who see that word used would try to see that it's the historical word for spiritually minded people coming together instead of making any stance toward genres. But still it kind of gives also the members certain freedom to have their own stance. Somebody might not might uh, not uh, Feel, feel at home at a very tight spiritual community but a society might might be more more uh, easy to join yes yes certainly and uh, I think because uh, it's not only what one would like to do but also what one is able to do so 
it must be that the brotherhood part is smaller and the society part of the star of Azazel is more comprehensive there are many many more members because it gives more freedom and uh, it's hard to become so intimate with other workers that you can really do uh, like usually every day or every week the same kind of spiritual working and being a deep discussion so Johannes, since you are the founder, could you say, uh, could you tell us why was the SOA find, founded and how did it all happen? Mm. Uh, in my youth, I was uh, theosophist. Theos, how, how do you say it? Theosophist. 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 <laughs> okay, but. Uh, I, I worked from theosophical basis and I already saw from that theosophical philosophy the very important uh, principle of, of Satanism like Blavatsky uh, presents it in her secret doctrine but uh, since the outer theosophical society was and is very right-hand path uh, I had to um, give a new form to the emphasis of theosophical working that uh, uses satanistic luciferian uh, aspects mm. uh, it started with a very real psychological collapse I was uh, 20 year old when I lost my uh, faith to good God the right hand path God which would be like loving and omnipotent absolute I I collapsed I, I had many years tried to work through this theosophical stages of uh, becoming uh, like love only and felt that uh, it's it's not the whole of the path but one has to understand also these like sinister more satanic sides and then uh, came some very very dark years of trying to overcome that uh, descending path, downward path uh, pressure and purify my own feeling in uh, and in those years uh, from about 99 or 2000 to the 2006 when the Brotherhood and Society of the Star of Azazel was founded formally uh, I wrote this philosophy and in my books Phosphorus and Argarism I tried to wrestle that downward path element away and work through it to create something that's uh, enduring and good in the process and uh, 
it so happened that uh, in uh, at the time when Brotherhood was founded, I have very high, were, uh, try, tried very hard to find people interested in these same things, um, but only then I had find one or two uh, brothers who shared a bit similar interests, and thus it was possible to found this outer society as well. Uh, those uh, founding members are now uh, doing something else, uh, but I still think that it was very magical, important moment moment to have different kind of people to create this first lodge, so to say. Uh, Star of Azazel worked five years uh, like as a one substance, one society without any lod lodges, separations, divisions uh, within it. But uh, during those times we first started to use these uh, aspectual approaches and then after five years these lodges. So, uh, I have always thought that uh, the metaphor of the tree is important for the brotherhood and society of the Star of Azazel and that re uh, trees' roots were growing from the 1999 to 2006. Then came the first uh, evidence, of, evidence of any trunk and then we have branches as lodges and uh, it must evolve every year. It it must be living construct, co construct, uh, and for that we need members who are both themselves unique human beings and walking that left hand path, so to say, and uniting that uniqueness to the right hand path construction of the society. Sorry about the long, long answer. No, Maybe no, you that's, can cut that's, that. <laughs> that's that's good. <clears throat> uh, there used to be a central government, but then that changed. Was it in two thousand and eight, eighteen, or nineteen? Mm, something along those lines. A few years ago. And uh, nowadays there is no such thing. And Every lodge is basically free to uh, free to work based on the certain uh, common principles in in ways that they they see fit. Um, is there something you would like to say about lodge Salome specifically? Mm. Salome is uh, emphasizing the dance aspect, like the biblical Salome who danced and then John the Baptist was beheaded. We don't uh, take that uh, in a bad way, but rather we take that as a kind of releasing that desert prophets to one dimensional uh, idea of holiness, that somehow this symbolistic decapitation releases the ener energies of the two severe 
right hand path. Uh, in in Salome, we try to use um, very open um, form of giving the ideas uh, via Instagram and and our blog to distribute more freely these thoughts that are uh, perhaps too buried within the like monolithic, monolithic uh, um standard website. So we we try to dance, be be light, take this uh, light aspect of uh, coming to people, uh, being mm, more free with our communication. But um, also um, since our aspect is white and uh, the aspect of Lucifer, uh, we have this aesthetical, artistic beauty we try to find or uphold in that lodge. But how do you uh, want to say it's polyhymnia? How do you see our Salome Lodge working? Yeah, I mean, I definitely noticed that I have personally have interest in like classical art and classical literature and things. So I really like being able to, um, as we say, like the pictorial world of Instagram, kind of transmit these ideas and and use some of these elements um, from classical art within it to create this very beautiful Luciferian, um, like Venus focused lodge and aspect. So I think for me, um, Salome is a very, it's in my own personal working, it's kind of that place where it's that beautiful inspiration that can come out in my working in a very physical way. Um, and we have readership. It's really spreading. We have readers in Australia. We have readers in Russia, of course, Finland, Canada, the US. So it's uh, Belgium. We had some readers in Belgium as well. So it's it's really nice to see um, those analytics and where it's spreading uh, using Instagram. I know there's a lot of hesitation with a lot of people, and I know even with some of our brothers, um, about using Instagram or social media at all to kind of transmit it, that it should be this like hidden thing, you know, that it should be kept solely occult. But I think that it's such a beautiful philosophy that it's um, almost a, a tragedy to, to keep it hidden. So I think that it's it's a very beautiful thing and it's organic. Like the whole process has been very organic and working with Johannes has been just like, um, just just wonderful. It just feels right, I guess, as we say. It just uh, strikes me now to notice how this uh, decapitation of the prophet in the Salome myth is also uh, obvious in how we have to face the challenge of this um, possible surfaciality uh, of the uh, of these um, social media platforms like for example to myself it's very very hard to get away from my own chamber and be a part of those circles where people are more like free goingly together and for example giving these kind of like uh, open discussions is it, it, it's um, not very um, temperamental thing for me but i think that's how we can 
face these satanic challenges, face that dark and make something beautiful from it. Uh, it makes me smile often when our uh, staff and members during all these years have said that we shouldn't be so open, we shouldn't be so superficial, we should be just keeping to our small circles. And I always would like to say to them that do, do you think that you would have found us if we would have done that before your time? That if it would just be a few people talking around in some some uh, a small city. Of course we have to uh, cross those like difficult bridges that seem not not at all easy to cross but which become also our practice of finding the other the other human beings and the otherness in ourselves well i think too that um like the dense philosophical nature of the soa kind of acts as a like a net anyway so even if people are drawn in by the more pictorial world of instagram once they they really have to decide once they you know find the brotherhood whether or not this is something that's actually for them because it's easy to be drawn in by you know beautiful art but then once you get to the actual philosophy that there's work involved and working on yourself and um ascension then you know i, I think that it, it tends to weed people out like people will decide whether or not they want to move forward so the brotherhood itself does a pretty good job of that <laughs> i also think that this is a part of a bigger cultural picture that in our time so many people are facing this challenge of finding their true self so to say uh, making it real rather than just appearances but it's a long process uh, for me it has been a both blessing and curse that for a very young age I have been quite sure what I have to do, how I want to live, what, what's my dharma, so to say. It, it's hard and it's great, but I understand that for many people it's a lifelong process to really learn what, what would I like to be, to what I would want to belong spiritually, and to give that kind of possibility for people to uh, seek and perhaps find themselves is of course one of the most basic uh, things that Star of Azazel seeks to give its help. So we have talked about the philosophy and some practical possibilities to do do SOA work, but uh, if we go to a slightly different direction, uh, what would you say about the importance of prayer or ritualism in the SOA? Uh, for me personally, I feel that with things like the rosary practice and um, times to do the rosary, it falls back to the concept of brotherhood and that kinship. So being able to strengthen that astral temple within um, the SOA with other members uh, across different lodges too, which I think is is a very important thing, especially with the way um, that the lodges function 
now, um, which is like wholly autonomously. So I think that it's, for me, very important. I feel a lot more connected to an actual concept of a brotherhood when I'm able to participate in those ritualistic things, um, calendary rites. I know within like Lodge Fanas, we're more of an intimate lodge. So we do a lot of things and we focus more heavily on like individualism, but we still find moments to come together and do those those rites together. So I think that that for me is very valuable. And I think that if anybody, and that's what's so beautiful about the SOA, I think is that if you would rather have a more individualistic um, emphasis on your work, you can do that. But also if you seek community, like I did, um, I often say that when I was just a lone occultist on my own, it was it was a very lonely path. I felt like I didn't really have anybody to talk to and fellow occultists, you know, it's such a wide pool that um, there was never really that spiritual connection. But now within the SOA, because, you know, we're all working on that same ethical basis, there it, it just seems like there's more of a, a kinship and a strength within that practice. So for me, I find that that's very um, valuable and, and something that now I would deeply miss if for whatever reason I didn't have that, so. In the Star of Azazel, it has always been important that these uh, magical ritualistic prayer practices are as open as possible in a way that uh, one shouldn't think that we have some uh, very formal things we have to do or something that some things that we can't do, but uh, everyone can form for. Uh, themselves the magical pra- practices one wants but we also offer some of the basic prayers for example we have these uh, celestial hymns which uh, form like an anchor to both our ethical spiritual being and like you polyhymnia said also to our fellow brethren and other lodges too so uh, the celestial hymns work in a way that in every day of the week we give uh, our prayers to different archetypes different divinities and these prayers are uh, partly poetic partly um, like symbolistic in a way that one can interpret them in several different ways but all these uh, holding themselves the basic idea of our upward striving and uh, I have been doing these daily prayers twice a day for some like 20 years or so and it has been my kind of a um, how would you say it um, like like a lifeline or or a, some some uh, light on the path that keeps me going where I want to go. Uh, like you said, there's also the rosary practice, which is a bit like more elaborated way of doing doing those celestial hymns, uh, using for uh, for example mantras and uh, praying for other 
not only people but also for the animals and forces of nature to give our goodwill to our surroundings not in a in a formal way that we should pray for something to happen but in a way that we try to find the higher uh, note uh, higher tone of ourselves the higher uh, kind of being uh, from that spiritual um, focusing so it's kind of like a meditation practice also uh, i think many members also do like basic ritual uh, magic but it's not as much uh, spoken about together because these kind of things seem to be more personal more bound to each one's uh, surroundings and their uh, what's going on in their lives and like you mentioned those mm, calendar rites we have these uh, eight feasts uh, spread out uh, through the year so for solstices and equinoxes and mm, places mm, between those times we can give our special prayers and be united to that will of time and find perhaps different kind of energies archetypes to uh, work with so it also gives rhythm in a way to help to find the balance and consistency regarding the hymns uh, as well as in other occasions we have mentioned briefly archetypes and and the seven seven principles this is a subject that that uh, we could base a whole episode or or a series of episodes on these these questions but could you say just briefly uh, what these seven principles are all about Uh, they are quite universal Uh, usually it's said that these are the seven planets in our solar system that present uh, different kinds of um, temperamental characteristical attitudes and each one has its own kind uh, own set of positive and perhaps also negative traits when we fail to understand their right kind of use have you polyhymnia uh, become acquainted with these uh, archetypes before you joined SOA were they used in golden dawn circles or other kind of circles where you were um, well, the idea of seven definitely was something that was uh, uh, that I was familiar with upon joining, but not to the extent. I, there's always those planetary correspondences that you find uh, that are recurring themes within any kind of uh, esoteric literature, I find, um, which when I was reading, we're reading through the secret doctrine right now. We have a Fauna's reading group which is currently stagnant, but we're hoping to get back on that horse. Um, But they talk about the seven, uh, is it the seven sons of the Mantaveric Dawn, I believe. And so, and that idea of the seven, and 
the way my brain works is I'm constantly trying to analyze these things that are almost impossible to analyze. So I was going down the rabbit hole trying to find all the associations of these seven suns throughout all of the religious literature. And there's just, there's seven everywhere, right? In, in so many different, um, but yeah, so the planetary correspondences for me felt very natural upon joining the SOA. That just seems to be a very um, familiar occult emphasis uh, but going deeper than that like even the seven principles that we have like those were um, quite a bit newer to me uh, the idea of even though that you know the idea of um, divinity being absolute again that's like uh, the first are we talking about those the seven principles is that what we're talking about or are we talking about <laughs> am i am i on the wrong topic no no sounds sounds very correct <laughs> so like uh, yeah, so our like a doctrine of unity, um, that was very uh, familiar to me as well. Um, it was more like the the point of Satanism was a little bit. I was like, whoa, like that's to have that as one of the points was a little bit jarring to me at first. Which of course now is something that's just very natural that uh, you know resonates with me. Um, death worship, like the worship of death, as one of our. Um, seven as well like to me that one was very um it resonated with me but in a sense that i wasn't familiar with it so yeah am i yeah. did i just derail us completely actually I, I think i misunderstood something no no i think it's a quite quite good idea to uh, see how these uh, principles the word can can be used in so many different ways and because we have Uh, both these like cel celestial hymn principles which present the archetypes then we have these principles that are basically parts of human constitution on the spiritual side and then the, we have these also the seven principles that are the like um, principles um, or laws uh, behind the uh, brotherhood ethical system or philo philosophy Uh, to see how all these connect in a uh, very subtle ways is a important part of becoming a, like active dynamic wor worker in the system but it's also important to see how they are not uh, like always the same but it's like a system that works through different uh, permutations changes that Uh, they they are like um, things that work together in a little bit different rhythms. So you can have uh, Saturn corresponding to some human principle and some like, for example, death worship <laughs> principle in what you have to, in a way, accept in the brotherhood uh, system. But it's never that easy that you can just say that no i understand the whole uh, situation that this is this and it corresponds to that but it's always a living system that we have to like uh, work our daily life through but uh, even when these seven planetary spirits or seven celestial archetypes may be quite familiar to many 
esotericists even before they uh, find the star of Azazel it's perhaps the theosophical human principles that can seem a bit awkward to some people because we use this old Sanskrit uh, nomenclature for them speaking about like linga shariras and uh, kama manas and things that are uh, very hard to grasp unless one comes from theosophical background or is very well versed with Sanskrit literature and how it has been used in uh, Western literature as well. Which definitely I found was a challenge um, upon joining the SOA. I think one of the first things I wrote in the forums was, I can't wait until all of this makes sense to me. Still a work in progress, but I've definitely upped my intake of Eastern esoteric literature for sure. But I think it's also a good thing that uh, no one is demanded to use any kind of uh, terms one doesn't want to. For example, we have had and still have many members who are not even Satanists themselves or who have uh, never understood the Sanskrit namings. Uh, our former chairman, who used to be a chairman for like, what, two years, said that she never wanted to use or understand those Sanskrit terms so you can be in pretty high positions in the brotherhood and still not use our uh, standard terms. And that's what I think it's important that we don't um, cling to the formal side, but we try to see through those names to the core of things. And thus we can use any kind of names the uh, situation demands. Uh, since we have this hieroglyphic key concept uh, which seeks to give a tool instrument for working through these permutations or uh, changes through the principles, uh, it's one of the most important symbols for the Brotherhood to have this uh, triangle which has one point upwards and then another triangle one point pointing downwards and cross uniting these two. Uh, this symbol known as a hieroglyphic key uh, tries to give the idea how the seven principles work and I'd like to give this as an example how we use these uh, symbols in a way that are given to the hand of our members to help them uh, see how um, spiritual archetypical things and even philosophical points can be worked as something that's also um, present in our life through the use of um, like for example different kind of virtues or ideals or uh, different um, emphasis on how we think. These are of course very like deep things and I, I hope that we will come back again and again to these things in our uh, episodes in the future. But uh, it might help our listeners to give a right idea of the Star of Azazel working that we 
have these um, systems within our system to help our mind uh, associate with these different kind of arch- archetypes and philosophies. Uh, even though it's not demanded, it will most likely become a helping thing in our long journey towards enlightenment and Lord Lucifer. So, since we are talking about Satanism, something that comes to mind from that is is uh, heresy. Um, how could you see this heretic aspect of spirituality could be utilized in serious spiritual practice? Um, I think the idea of heresy, I think it's important uh, in our spiritual lives to um, there's this idea within like any kind of Christian doctrine, right, that there needs to be this like absolute good value that we need to be striving towards. And it tends to cut out those negative things in our nature, um, but that are organically tend to be there, I think, that there's a lot of these um, heretical values within ourselves. And instead of praying them away, I think that it's valuable to work through them, acknowledge them, and incorporate that as a very integral part of joining those hands together. Um, I find that, you know, that heretical aspect is is that left-hand path that we need to join with the right. Also brings to mind how important it is to shatter our false idols also in satanic workings. For example, I, I remember when I was part of the black metal scene here in Finland and I noticed how like how much people worshipped some formal things at the same time when they said aloud that everything that uh, everything should be possible and these false idols should be cast down and they were making their own false idols all the way along. So I, I think that Uh, blasphemy, heresy, these things are tools for ourselves to shatter our own idols and see uh, what's behind them in a spiritual world. Like, uh, if I have some very formal idea of God, I have to uh, make some (laughs) blasphemy sooner or later to find out what has been left over from that image. Or if I have a very strict idea what Satan is about, what what is the right kind of uh, even ritual magic, I I have to uh, at some point also blaspheme in order to grow beyond those like formal ideas. Like it's blaspheming becomes when done at right points becomes the process of growth and learning from our shadow being. But also it's very important not to get stuck with that blasphemy because then the blasphemy is just one more false idol. Yeah, something that I actually could have uh, said earlier already when discussing like what we think of Satan and Satanism. If we think that God is absolute and it includes 
the kind of light light god images then it must also include this satanic side and I've sometimes thought that that, uh, that there's no way around it that every image of God is an idol in a way and, and, and I've sometimes thought that Satan is kind of the ultimate idol and that there are ways to kind of shatter our image of Satan as well and then then uh, well that's an another another discussion <laughs> yeah but but it's a important thought to to think how uh, both idols and shattering idols are uh, things that belong to that absolute and our absolute journey that we cannot love idol more than like mm, shattering the idol and vice versa but we must like spiral our way through that process of trying to find the idol uh, learning not to hate good uh, idols pictures because they are pictures they can be very beneficial pictures for us like for example orthodox christians say that yeah we have these icons but these icons are not divinities they just help our mind to focus on those things that are real and true i think it's very same for the uh, many satanists that when i have this baphomet uh, statue on my altar i understand that it's not holy in itself uh, anything can happen to that statue and it doesn't happen to <laughs> lucifer but i can still use it as a focus in my prayer and uh, reverence Now the SOA philosophy from the start has been very clearly satanic, uh, emphasizing an aspect that hasn't been really emphasized um, in similar ways. There are many many sides to this, of course, and in our discussions we can sometimes speak of m many other things as well and other kinds of images of God. Christ or the goddess or any other aspect of divinity that might not be so kind of obviously satanic or not as clearly related to the shadow side of reality. I guess this question is more aimed at Johannes uh, since you founded the, the Brotherhood. How would you say that the satanist aspect has kept its relevance has it changed somehow could satanism ever cease to be relevant in our form of spirituality or any form of spirit spirituality i don't think so uh, it has been a surprise for me to see how persistent um, also my feelings uh, towards satan have proven to be like uh, i don't consider myself being a very like tra traditional kind of satanist uh, i was a con convert like i mentioned earlier uh, i would love to remain in the bright side and uh, use only the right hand path but uh, when i embraced satanism and uh, chose also the left hand path uh, it has been 
so um, deep and uh, through going experience that I have noticed that it remains in every uh, stage of my life and every stage of the brotherhood as well. Uh, every now and then there comes this discussion in the Star of Asasa that some member who has perhaps found some <laughs> kind of a inner peace or refuge and uh, starts to think that why do we need to speak about these dark things so much? Why do we have to speak of Satan? And it always, when we discuss these things, uh, becomes apparent to me that uh, there is always this otherness, always this challenge in fo some form or the other, that we cannot, we should not ever leave that challenger, the adversary, out from our esotericism. And I think that it's true for, for every single occultist who strives to adepthood or even beyond that uh, Satan will remain there uh, brighter and brighter and uh, less fear-imposing but still very close to us. Would you like to add something to you? Uh, do you see the same relevance in Satan as, as when you joined? Yeah, I would say so. I agree with all of that. Um, I find it kind of funny that as about maybe about nine years ago now, um, about seven years prior to finding the SOA, I had really come to this crossroads in my own spiritual life um, where, you know, I had gone between agnosticism, atheism, those were like the two main things. And I remember explicitly saying to myself, I will try everything except for Satanism. That's the one thing that to me doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and it's just so ironic that this is probably the religion that will stay with me for the rest of this body. So it's just, um, yeah, <laughs> just a little anecdote there. It, it, it but was for all the reasons that Johannes said and more, like it's just, it's such a beautiful philosophy of unity. And I can't imagine my life without it. It, it was pretty much the same for me too. I, I remember in the those last months or last year before I became a Satanist, I wrote to my diary back then that, please, God, don't let me uh, worship Satan or kneel before Satan. It was a very hard fight to resist that. But once it, it's done and seen that this isn't evil, this isn't bad, this isn't something that people thought said it would be. It's something that one can't leave behind. Thank you for listening to The Serpent and the Star. The next episode will be published later in the spring of 2022. More info at theserpentandthestar.com